Hello and welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange Gaming Podcast, where we connect industry leaders to discuss experiences, challenges and successes in the gaming industry. I'm Adam, your host for today, and today I'm joined with Petr Sido, Scott Lidke and Kenneth Lim to discuss navigating creative freedom and autonomy. Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here, the Nordics Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Before we jump into the topic, let's work our way around the room with some introductions of who you are and what you do. So, uh, Scott, do you want to kick us off? Sure. My name's Scott Leitka. Uh I've got a long career in computer graphics, a relatively shorter career in uh, gaming. I joined Rovio about eight, nine years ago now. Um, Rovio is a mobile gaming company, best known for Angry Birds. Um, what I do there is I work in uh, the Puzzle Studio, which uh, we make puzzle games. There are a number of other studios focusing on other genres. But in the Puzzle Studio, we have a number of game teams, uh, all have art departments, and I work in it as a in a kind of a central role of my, um, I, I try to create um, uh, tools and, and, and technology as well as work on uh, methods just to improve um, our ability to do art. My background is um, uh, visual effects, uh, a lot of CG creatures. So uh, I also had a, a small team called the Character Lab where we develop characters for both in gaming and uh, marketing awesome uh Peter? yeah uh hello uh my name is Peter Sedog. uh i'm a producer so meaning that uh, that means that i've always been responsible for congregating a team of creatives uh, assisting them in setting a creative vision and then guiding them through the production process and making sure that the um uh, the game publisher uh, the audience of the game and everyone gets a stake in what to do and then try to tie the knot at the end of the game and actually release it as well. So I've uh, been in the industry around 20 years, uh, did kids games back in the CD-ROM days. Uh, and then uh, last time, last 15 years or so, I've been at Massive, uh, working on the games there with Ubisoft mostly. And right now I'm a freelance producer. Awesome. And uh, finally, but not least, uh, Kenneth. Hello, uh, I'm Kenneth Lim. Um, I work at Paradox uh, Interactive as a 2D art lead. Uh, Paradox is uh, best known for their grand strategy games. And uh, I'm working on uh, Victoria Tree, which uh, just released last October. And uh, as a 2D art lead, uh, I lead uh, the small team of 2D artists within the the bigger Victoria Tree King team. And uh, we involve ourselves with uh, mostly 2D artwork, illustrations, UI, icons, and such. So everything 2D is kind of uh, 
what we do and I am in charge of the people who are doing the work there. Yeah, um, I have been in the game industry for about maybe 12 to 15 years, I can't recall. Uh, started out doing Facebook games when those were still a thing and then moved on to mobile games and now at Paradox Interactive. Awesome. So we've got quite a good uh, range today of uh, collectively about 30 plus years experience for a mobile, console, PC, Facebook. Um, so awesome. So you've each brought a question for discussion relevant to uh, navigating creative freedom and autonomy. So as usual, work away around the room with each of you posing your questions and your reasoning behind that. Uh, and each of you will have the opportunity to give your uh, take on it. So uh, I guess, uh, Scott, we'll start with you with uh, with your question. Sure. My question is, uh, um, have you ever encountered a situation where uh, creative freedom has caused a problem? And I guess the, the rationale for me is that um, we're, as artists, I think everybody kind of takes for granted that you're going to be creative. And so uh, I'm th this, this whole topic is, is sort of a, a bit of a puzzle for me and, and um, in terms of like, uh, what exactly do we mean by autonomy and, and how does that impact creativity? And so I guess I, the main question I had was kind of approaching it from the other end, which was, you know, um, is there a situation that you were involved in where too much creativity was a problem or too much creative freedom was a problem or caused a problem? That's uh, so I can see you uh, smirking there. You want to uh, jump in first? Yeah, I mean, I don't think, uh, no, but yes. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, but I, to me, it's, I mean, I agree with, with, with what you said there. We, everyone wants to join this industry and they want to join the creative industries to, to be able to feel and be creative and, and make, have the ability to pour their heart into what they're doing and feel like, like I'm committed to this product when i do this product it, it turns better because we do x and y in a really good way and then if i do this uh, it will get even better i mean that 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 freedom and that ability to affect your um, not only the product but also your daily life uh, in, in in your daily work life if i do this better we can get this done and look now this worked very well there. i mean that's what we want to riff off most often as a game company but i mean that comes also often with a you need a clear handover like uh, and, a, and, a, and a vision and an understanding what the game's going to be. I mean, all the problems I've had when we encountered the problems with the creative freedom is either that the, the direction and the input is too big or the, the understanding of what the output is supposed to be isn't there either. So uh, uh, someone tries to make a game with a different tonality than we, we expected or, or make make make. Uh, pushes the product in the way it shouldn't be. I think that's the, that's the big challenge. And that happens all of the time. So how do you build in a team that communal language of this is where we're going, this is how it's supposed to be, this is correct with our, our product, this is not correct with our, our product. Uh, and that's a balance that uh, to me is the million dollar question, how you set that. And that's, I think, very much up to each group and each game. Absolutely. Uh, Kenneth, what are your uh, thoughts around the question? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I've seen, uh, seen and encountered uh, this several times. And, and it's you, uh, it happens like just within the art team or also like uh, the overall game team. And when that happens, you usually like kind of lose the core identity or the vision of the game and or the even the art style and 
it usually what happens it it goes completely off course and as what better said i'd like to echo it again that i think you need to have this clear vision right from the start like outline and everybody needs to be aligned and be aware of what this is so we can kind of push in the certain direction yes you can have creative freedom but i like to always think like you can think creatively but with these guidelines or some somehow with this framework can think creatively within this framework absolutely yeah oh, oh yeah jump in <laughs> yeah no it's, i mean we talk a lot about it in society and i think it applies to game development as well that with freedom comes responsibility you you have a creative responsibility as well to understand how how you do especially in larger teams uh, slots into uh, to the other groups and the other areas um, and to to take that extra mileage uh, as, as a developer also and, and see that, that will, that will help you a lot. So we don't only discuss the freedom, but we also discuss um, how you utilize that and how you how you drive that to deliver and uh, basically, you know, finish off and move things forward. Uh, so uh, I, I, we often also talk about, we used to talk about how we can drive that other end as well. So people, people, uh, tick off what they do and, and move on. It's funny because I, I I totally agree with the this idea that you have to have a strong vision and that that vision, you know, bringing that team into alignment is one of the most difficult problems in what we do, right? Because everybody, we have a team, lots of talented people can, can, can create uh, uh, beautiful work in the context of the game, it needs to be consistent. It needs to serve the vision. It needs to to serve the the, the gameplay. Um, I, I am reminded of a situation actually where we had a we had a a, a game that was uh, being developed, and that there was just this wild idea that kind of came from left field, and and there was. Um, there were people who came across the, uh, the the work in progress, and they were totally scratching their heads. On one hand, it's like this is this is super funny, really awesome work. Ah, really, we're doing this? I can't believe we're actually going to do it. And so, of course, the game team was co- totally committed and loved the fact that it was this oddball idea. But in the end, it didn't make it because it was at some point somebody said, "Look, we can't. No, we're not doing this." And and if we're all professionals, right? We we do this for a living. We know sometimes you get to work on a, on a project like this, and it and it just keeps going. And other times you 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 have to uh, 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 projects come and go, right? They get killed for all kinds of reasons. But 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 I think there were there was one person on that team who was so identified with the with the thing he he ended up leaving the company, and it was a real shame, you know, a real strong artist. And uh, and so I'm answering my own question. That's a situation where I I, I discovered a, a creative freedom that went too far, um, caused caused a problem. We lost a, we lost a good artist over that one. I think uh, it goes back as well to, to to Kenneth's point as well as in terms of that vision um, and asking you know about the uh, the initial pitch for an idea for a game. You know the six month mark, the twelve month mark. Asking okay, what was the original pitch? What have we got today? And how different are the two? Uh, and that might be a case of, you know, like you say, it might be nothing what you initially envisioned. You know, you might have set out, uh, like Subnautica is a good example of a, a nice peaceful game that became borderline horror. 
uh, if anyone's played that. Um, but yeah, no, it's a shame. Uh, yeah, get to that where someone's so attached to the uh, the project, you know, it almost becomes their baby essentially, <laughs> and they don't want to leave it uh, behind. Yeah, but I think I mean uh, sometimes in some situations uh, uh, you can handle it. Uh, but but uh, that's often people don't see that when the game is being created because uh, in in larger groups often you also get so enthralled by your own thing so you don't understand it's one or two or five percent of the game experience as well so that's also sometimes I mean that's where the creative freedom a bit can cause a problem sometimes we just need to wrap this up and move on uh, and it's not time for this we need we need to release uh, but I also want to look back to what we talked a bit about earlier is um, is is also to get the get the vision through. I mean, the the ideal state in the produce that everyone understands the vision. They create whatever they create fits that vision, and then that when they when they talk to the other persons in the group, or or if you have a director level, etc., everything is a, is about how to prove that. Uh, and we often lose that a bit too quickly in, in larger products. I started talking about the approval process, and I hate the word approval process. And it, because as soon as you get into an approval process mindset, it's like ticking off boxes and, and having checkboxes. And I always vowed for, we should call it improval process. If, if you have the right um, mindset when you get to it, you have done the, um, not perhaps exactly the right thing, or you did the right thing, but it just needs a tweakment and um, some adjustment. That's when, when you're in the right, uh, as a team, in the right flow, because then you constantly create, create new stuff that you move forward. But it's... Uh, it's hard to set up, and it's very much about the human understanding between the between the different people involved. Uh, so, it's and language is an important factor of it. I really liked your uh, your point about uh, you know being enthralled in like uh, the day to day of your your own rather than the whole project. I mean, like uh, I was speaking to a level designer recently, and they they may spend about uh, three to five months on just the the one map. And so, of course, that may seem like the, the entire game is that one small map, uh, but it's part of a a cog in a bigger machine. Uh, I guess uh, I think that was probably tied up in the uh, unapproval process as well. I think I've seen that uh, being enthralled in in their own uh, work quite a few times, uh, especially with uh, the more junior people. Uh, yeah, but I I think it's up to the leads to kind of like push them, and it's time to move on to the next thing. Now you know this is as done as we can we need to release so the time to move on yeah artists never want to give up they they uh they want to keep making it better and better i i remember uh um sitting at my desk and the you know the producer banging on come on man come on it's like this is back in the day where i was doing online tv and uh it's like no i can do it i can make it better i can make it better. no we started five minutes ago send it you know as a, as an artist you never want to give up um, and, and as a supervisor, that was always the sort of focus really is to, you know, uh, partner with a producer, whenever you give a note, it's always, you you're, you know, where that is in the process, you know, how much time you have left. You don't ask for something and, and then your producer is going to say, no, we don't have time for that. You know, you do not ask for that in the, in the, in the review because, um, you should know also as a supervisor, but it's, uh, at the end of the day, there's, there's, there's the, we're all lucky to be working in a creative role, but, uh, at, at, 
there, 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 there's a sense of urgency, right? There's a schedule. It's got the work's got to get done. Yeah, but I mean, when that happens, I love it. I rather have a team that does that and says like, "Yeah, we think we're done." It's like, "Eh, are you?" It doesn't really work in game, and it doesn't look that good. I mean, that's that's the big. Yeah, that's much worse. So it's it's much better to have that. I don't know what I usually do then is say, "Okay, implement everything in game. Make sure it's working in the game, and then you can do a polish run." Yeah, it's 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 toughest with those groups that get stuck stuck in short grid for too long, so they never actually implement it. They just uh, oversee the uh, assets. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I and I have to take issue with the the approval process, unapproval process thing. I I totally get what you're what you're after there. On one hand, on the other hand, there's nothing worse than than. Um, you know, you have a small group. It's kind of loose. You've got a department over here and over there that you don't talk to very much. And all of a sudden, uh, you're three quarters of the way done, and and somebody who's you had no idea had a role in deciding what was going to happen comes in and says, "Oh, by the way, I think it should be green," and it's like, "Oh man, why didn't you tell me that back when?" Uh, right. So the first question I always ask is, "Who's actually making these creative decisions anyway?" Uh, because I want to make sure that we're we're getting the the input that we need along the way i guess in terms of like killing creativity it's um having people that 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 sort of like take it on too much as an administrative process is definitely an issue people who are in the approval process who don't really have an opinion but because they're in the process they feel like they have to give one you know even if they don't have one that's 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 terrible for for the end product, but but without anything, without any structure to who's approving it, it's also kind of there are problems with that too. I, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. It needs to be a, a it still needs to be a process and an orderly team that you carefully guides. So you don't get the uh, the committee or as you mentioned the the random uh, random boss comment like I never liked green. It's like okay, what does that mean? <laughs> Uh, exactly. So I, I completely agree with it, but uh, to my, my my point is that um, nothing creates the long term creativity or the vibe in the company more than like yeah I tried to get it approved three times and never understood what they said uh, it was never pushed through that's when you kind of just created the the free because then you don't even ask for the freedom anymore then it says tell me exactly what to do and that's a slippery slope to mediocrity. Oh, that's awful. I I, I worked with a guy. Uh, uh, and he, and he, he called it the, where do you want me to put the couch syndrome? It's like you, the same thing. You, just what you said, you, 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 you go to get it approved. There's some random note. You go get it approved again. There's some different note. And at some point the artist just says, okay, where do you want me to put it? You know, just tell me what button to push here. Cause clearly, uh, you know, I'm not, you know, anyway. Yeah. It's, that, that's a killer. Yeah. I think we've uh, touched touched by a little bit uh, to Kenneth's uh, question. So I think it's a good segue to put over to Kenneth what your question is. Yeah, my question is, uh, what are the different factors uh, you consider when you are deciding how much creative freedom to give to the task or the the, the people that are going to do the work? Well, I would always think that you would try to give as much creative freedom as possible. So it's about looking at the sort of the situation to see what the constraints are and just, you know, uh, uh, 
taking them into account. So if you have a project that's just in the germinating and new ideas and you don't really know what the look is yet, it's completely different than if you're a year in and everybody's in alignment and right. So, so it kind of depends to, to me, the, the, the rule of thumb would be, well, try to give as much creative freedom as possible, given the constraints of where you are in the project or in the timeline or in the schedule. Um, I mean, I agree with the timeline and the schedule <laughs> after beta, your creativity is to do exactly what says, uh, in the market. It's like uh, the the creativity is none above that, uh, but before the creative is there. But it's also much the seniority of the team. Well, I mean, uh, but, I mean, it's uh, I we, I want to have the creative freedom there because that's why we're in the industry. I I mean, everyone wants that. That's what we're striving for. But also, the more more people understand it and utilize it, the the less paperwork you often need to do. The more senior teams you have, the more the more freedom they can take on. The easier it goes for everyone. So I mean that we always constantly try to put together groups that can deliver that, and you usher in the juniors together with the seniors, etc. Uh, so you uh, so you get that effect because the the if if you lose it, I mean first we we talked about earlier about losing passion, but the, then the 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 couch situation that you mentioned, uh, Scott, that also means that suddenly upper management needs to go around and tell everybody what they're doing and i mean that doesn't work they're they're, they're not that good at it and they i mean you, you introduce a whole bureaucracy that's ridiculous so uh, to me it's uh, trying to build the group so you can uh, you can push as much as possible well and at rovio that we we mostly smaller teams to be honest mobile games right i mean so the game starts with just two or three people on it and then it grows slowly until it gets somewhere and then it can really take off and the biggest teams we have are with the most mature games where it's a lot of content that needs to be refreshed kind of all the time in these small teams we usually have a mix of veterans and less uh experienced people and oftentimes they're quite you know um they're just assigned to completely different things and then it all comes together. So to me, it seems in, in a situation like that, you have a small team, people are pretty much working in isolation. There's more of a, a need for that communication about the vision so that things come in and are consistent. When you have a well-developed, uh, a mature game, bigger teams, more uh, of an understanding, kind of more backup, more people working together, I think you um, things kind of uh, fall into place a little bit. How, how big a teams were are, are were you working with? Uh, massive, better. Uh, I, mean, I also worked on the long projects where we started quite small. You did the uh, conception around 20, 30, 40 people. Uh, but I mean, eventually when Ubisoft adds up all the muscle and uh, with outsourcing and everything, a lot of projects end up uh, way above 300 people. Yeah, well, yeah, I think our biggest teams are 30 or 40 people, so. I, for Paradox, at least for Victoria 3, we're about 40 plus people. Uh, the art team, including 3D and 2D, is about maybe 12 people. 12? Yeah. And are you all working on one game kind of together, or you've got multiple? One game at a time. Yeah. Well, 12 is a good number. You can get you can do a lot of damage with 12 people. Yeah. 
I think it's a, it's a nice balance. I not too. It doesn't move slowly. It moves at a good pace. I think. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot of the communication problems starts over that five, six people. Uh, I always say the most efficient group is like three people in a room. Uh, yeah. Uh, above that, uh, uh, things seep in quickly. It's like, ah, oh, have you done it? Yeah, yeah, I've done it. But you didn't tell me. It's like, oh, but didn't see the check-in. No, I didn't see the check-in. It's like, I, I thought you meant that, not this. There's a, a question I really wanted to kind of ask. Obviously, there's a bit of a live, a live service experience here. And uh, obviously, you know, you've got like these deadlines, uh, you know, for a public release, you know, every month or so uh, with a, a new batch of content. Uh, how do the kind of uh, production cycles work in terms of creative autonomy uh, to make sure that fresh stuff is constantly being being churned out this new age of uh, live service? Kenneth, is that a question that you can answer, or I I can uh, I can start. Yes. So um, I think our teams kind of uh, I mean we're we're not exactly a live service kind of game, but there's always like patches there's a uh, new content to be made uh, the paradox models is to uh, release new content uh, all the time as either as free patches or as dlcs like smaller dlcs and bigger dlcs like expansion packs so we do start the process uh, of working on those quite early and uh, early on in in uh, in pre-production or even like uh, um, a prototype stage of the developing those content. There's a lot of creative freedom, like cast a wide net and then see what you get. And then after that, you kind of like, uh, kind of focus on do a certain area. And I think what I can say is we do start quite early. So, uh, it, we, we, we can have a bit of leeway in having that creative freedom instead of rushing from one uh patch to the next yeah that's a good point because if you're at a time it's it's you you don't feel like you have any freedom right it's just find a way to get it get it done um but but well it, pressure also does help some for the sense of urgency i think you get both there's trouble and there's not enough time and there's also trouble when you have too much time i guess a good thing on on live products is often uh even though sometimes the creative freedom can be slightly less you know exactly what the game is and you know exactly what the consumers like which often yeah. gives you a very much um a, a smaller window to be creative within but it's also a, a quick turnaround and direct feedback i think the uh uh, that's the good part about it. Uh, it's like when everyone says like, oh, because I, I've been on a couple of parties from scratch. And then people say like, oh, that must be amazing. It's like, no, that's terrifying. It's the author's version of the white paper. It's like, okay. Exactly. So, so then every, everything you want to do takes time. Like, oh, we should have um, vehicles in this gate. Okay, that we can probably do that in eight months. Uh, it's like, okay, that's eight months of waiting. And then you don't know if all of these bets pay off. So it's, it's like trying to constrict the, the, the product to be clear in the beginning. And more importantly, drive it from, from a, a game experience, not drive it from a, a PowerPoint or an idea. That's the, that's the trick in the beginning. Uh, and that's, that's what you, when, when you're live, you, the, the turnarounds are so fast and you get consumer feedback and, and you have fans. So it's, it's a great phase to be in. And, and the feedback you get, you can make better sense of because you have enough background. You know, you know what kind of 
uh, experience people are having and what kind of numbers you're getting. In the very beginning, things can be pretty hard to figure out when the numbers first are coming in. Yeah, I remember uh, before launch, uh, everything was kind of terrifying. You don't know like how people are going to respond to the game that you're making. Uh, but then we have like a lot of like fantastic fans that are super active on Reddit and the forums and they write like long posts as to what they want and can get a lot of feedback from from them on those platforms. Yeah, I'd hate to be the person has to go through uh, all the Reddit posts <laughs> all day because <laughs> there is a lot of posts made about games. Um, but I guess that's one thing I love about uh, when as a player from that perspective, you know, seeing games launch and if it's if it's a rocky start, uh, you know, say three or four months later, uh, seasons later, how the you know how much feedback is taken on board uh, from the players and how it you know it develops. It's, it's quite nice to to watch that. You can imagine it's a, a nightmare for the developers, but it's a uh, a nice progression to seek. Well, it depends on which way it goes. <laughs> if the problems get solved, it's 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 you, that that feeling is amazing. Like we thought it was good, it wasn't that good. But look, we fixed it. That's a rare treat. <laughs> uh, the one thing uh, we did touch upon briefly before uh, from you, Pato, is obviously the, the the might of Ubisoft getting all the outsources in and uh, things like that. And uh, I guess that kind of relates a bit to your uh, your question, really. Yeah, it would be especially interesting since we go through art managers here to to hear hear your view on it. Uh, I mean. I often talk about how we handle creative freedom in larger teams. How much can you subdivide creativity and freedom into a a, a, a package that people still feel like, okay, if I do this a bit better, I mean, et cetera, what I talked about. And especially a specialized team and sometimes even the tools teams, because then what, what they do doesn't always even get it into the product. It just gets it into tool chains to the product. So, so, uh, yeah, what's your view on um, creating freedom uh, for for specialized teams or, or large groups when it's subdivided? Okay, so yeah, I'll pop back with you, Scott. Yeah, I so so two things about that. I guess to my my most of the teams at at Rovio are, as I said, not large. Um, things do get complicated, but um, in general. Um, most we got so many teams where it's like five artists and five everybody's doing like one's ui and one's backgrounds and and core and one's meta and one's you know marketing stuff so it's it's um where people are barely they're working as a team but their responsibilities are 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 quite um separated uh my best experience with larger teams is when i was working in visual effects we would have you know 100 people on a project or something um or thousand people <laughs> at the company when i worked at dreamworks and um i i, I think that that the that the tricky thing when you're talking about specializing is that um it it is a it is a different process, and and I think there are people who are just going to be unhappy or not react well, and if they're not suited for 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 that, they will find out over time that it that, that kind of work doesn't suit them. But but for people who who are not gonna sort of say, oh man, there's not just a cog in the machine. This is terrible. Um, you know. The, the fact is that that 
that um, as we were saying before, the, the 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 constraints sort of help solve or or, or stimulate the creativity. I could say, um, and so um, when I was working in visual effects, we were we had a lot of um, very specialized uh, talent, people doing uh, very specialized pieces, and it was very much a a um, uh, a pipeline where you know, 12 different departments and everybody went from this to that to the other thing. But, oh my God, everybody was so good at what they did. And and there was a, a pride to, you know, doing such a great job. And we always had more senior people and more junior people. There are always people to learn from. Um, and and the, 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 the shows themselves, the, the projects themselves, there was a, you know, there's a, Usually, you could find something exciting. Some of these movies were t- god awful, and I think it's, and I think it's cool because then you read through also. Because I mean, if you talk about the shows and you feel you're a cognitive machine, but the, if you are that in a movie or a franchise you believe in, then it's fine to be that. Right. I also agree with you that it's sometimes easier to set up for technical groups because the technical groups, if they have the freedom on how to solve the the technical uh, challenge. Yeah, uh, that's a, that's a reward uh, in terms. And, I mean, in in its own for them. I set it up this way. Look at this, how this explosion right. works, etc. Or or often with coders, like, yeah, I did this. It wasn't the the coolest feature I've done, but look at my code. It's uh, it's so neat, and I I did all of this, and it's 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 a really cool system. That that often works to give them the the implementation freedom, although they might not have the um, the autonomy on the board to do. If you get that creative satisfaction for how you do the work as well as what the end product is, uh, and and perhaps that's that's more, more maybe that's that's more uh, uh, possible, in in some of these larger groups. I, I I look at some of the small groups that that we have, and I'm 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 surprised at at how little structure they have and how they manage to get anything done sometimes, you know, it really is, um, um, it, it's wild for me coming from visual effects where you had, you know, uh, talk about hierarchy, right. And your film director is God. So, um, there is no arguing. It's either the guy likes it or the guy doesn't like it or the, the, the director, the, um, so, so yeah, so coming to, to games where there's so much more, um, bottom up sort of, um, approach I've come around though. I, I, I think that it's like, like the original question is, oh, you have these big projects, you know, how do you still stay creative in there? Well, the answer is if you want to do a big project like that, you can't expect to, you know, be able to do anything you want, right? You have to be uh, joining a big team in order to pull together to make this thing. It can only be made with, with a big team, right? So there has to be that sort of pride, uh, uh, and, and willingness to be part of, of that. So does that really answer the question? I don't, I don't really think so. Um, me neither, but it was an interesting discussion. So I, <laughs> I, I think there's a really good point that you kind of touched upon there as well. I mean, it sounds, uh, almost like uh, common sense. But these things, it's uh, not just about the the creative side of things like art uh, and creation, but also like thinking of new ways to solve even the, as you mentioned, the technical challenges uh, that may arise. You know, if it's the the programmers or just structuring a roadmap, 
uh, sometimes a creative solution uh, may come along uh, that no one's thought of as well. Um, have you, has anyone here got any examples they can think of uh, of when like a, an out of the box idea that was quite creative that helped things along? Well, hopefully it's happening all the time. <laughs> um, when you when you when you put put someone on the spot like that, <laughs> um, I mean, we, honestly, that's that's my job is to invent things to help artists get their work done. And so if I don't have an answer for this, it might be kind of embarrassing. But, um, you know, we basically have internal infrastructure that we're, uh, you know, developing all the time. Um, uh, and I, I would say also that I'm in sorrow for Borgi and all the top creatives I work with that are really, really top of the line. They have a super uh, good ear to listen to the, uh, the technical people in the room. Uh, and uh, every time they, you know, told about the feature or, or start something, they'll ask, yeah, what can you do? How can we push the boundaries in this? What can you do here? Okay. You did this. Cool. What, what was easy to do? What was fast to do, etc. And then you start riffing off that and riffing off what the tech can do and then the capabilities of the tech. So all, all the best creatives I've ever worked with, they have a super solid understanding of the tech, what the tech can do. And what it can do, and then start to push the boundaries of that. <laughs> so like, okay, we got this this feature in. Uh, can we use it on these kind of objects? Can we use it on these things? And and uh, the the small scale riffing there to to unleash that creativity has created some of the best products. That what you see what the top people do in the movie industry as well. Uh, it's like constantly, uh, you know, talking to the tech group. Oh, how's the fluid system working? Okay, etc. Now we could make a film about water. So you you need to have your ear to that ground. And uh, to add on to what Peter said, like talking. So I think communication is like super key. Like what we do uh, on Victoria Tree is like we have uh, we 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 have anybody coming. Anybody can come in to kind of give an opinion or feedback either on the gameplay or the or the um, the art. So it usually will spawn off like topics of interest. How could we improve this? Like I could uh, write in the UX channel, for example, hey, this is something I think could improve the UX. And they could come to art and hey, maybe you can try changing this. And we always have like conversations. And, and then after once we discuss the technical, the the visual technicalities of things, then we rope in the developers like, hey, the technical people, how can we solve this from a technical point of view? So yeah, I think constant communication and uh, avenues for giving opinions is all really good ways to kind of ensure that the team is uh, is always like using their creative juices and they don't feel like they're not heard. Because everybody joins this industry, they have ideas, they, they want to express their views in any way they can. Yeah, and that's the toughest point when you're in, in the AAA industry because you start in a small team after a play session, you join a, you know, a, a, a team's chat or you, you're you still in the same studio so you can everyone meet up in the kitchen, you know, have a brew, talk about what, uh, what was good, what was bad. And then at some point, you just pass the number of people. So you introduce too many people, then you still have an email chain going. But then at some point, often along with the Dunbar numbers, around seven to eight people, people turn a bit too uh, shy to talk open in that channel. And then the suggestion comes, oh, we should do a survey. 
it's like, ah, oh, I hate that. It's like, so when you start with the servers, that can you lose that spontaneous conversation, etc. cetera. Uh, but it's, yeah. it's hard to maintain the plus hundred people to have someone, you know, with the, with the correct, uh, verbality, uh, pour their heart out in a, in an email, uh, or something like that uh, on the feedback chain. It, it is a brave person who is in the middle of a play session. will just start telling you honestly what they really think, you know, I mean, it's, it's tough. It's tough because you know how much, how hard people have worked. You want to see the best part of it, but you know, at some point that brutal honesty is uh, critical. Yeah, you want it, but it's uh, the anonymity in the large team also sometimes brings out people's Reddit uh, conversations. It's right, like, right. I didn't like this at all. I mean, you can say that. You can say you can improve in this way. Right, right. right. Constructive criticism, please. Yes. Well, you said something better that, that caught my ear, which was, you know, the the most the best creatives they they know what the tech is and they know what's easy. And it 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 it, it remind me that that I. I've worked on a, hundreds of projects now, and the ones that always have the best outcome seem to also be the easiest. It's like you, if you have to drag that thing every inch of the way and you're fighting with each other and you're fighting with the tools and you're fighting with the creative, uh, it ain't gonna be good. You know, the ones that are good are the ones that like everything just clicks and everybody's on board and the the team is sinking and the, the, the tools are the right tools and the content fits and the all the, the art style narrative game, it all comes together, right? Um, and so so back to your question about, you know, uh, creating uh, room for creative freedom in a large organization, having a good process where things are not so screwed up that people can actually do their jobs rather than, you know, wonder what is going on. That kind of thing, right? So uh, smoothly, uh, yeah. Uh, Toolspipe is a, such an inherent part of uh, creating freedom that the team understand the Toolspipe. They can utilize it to do uh, new cool stuff instead of just you know trying to get by or like every time I try to use it, it crashes and then I import an item and it looked like uh, shit. So now I don't know what to do with this. Uh, I'll go home today and I hope it's sold tomorrow. I mean, if, if you. You constantly move people out of the flow with bad tools. It's awful. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, the best time they can uh, spend fighting the tools, the more time they have creative thinking. I think as well that was something kind of you mentioned as well, Kev, is about you know obviously the, uh, this uh, transparency across departments. Uh, and obviously, the people who know their area, uh, if you don't, is that the people in that department. And so, asking as you said, you know, how can we make this work? This this idea. Uh, and you can't get a much larger of a, a creative team than a whole studio. Uh, I guess as well, I guess with the, that then that kind of uh, kind of concludes. Is there any points that anyone wants to kind of raise from the discussion that they thought of earlier but didn't get a chance to uh, to ask or discuss? Play games, no? have fun, play them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I guess for you, make games, have fun. For you, kind of talk to each other, communicate, uh, share ideas as well and uh, from you scott make easy games have fun <laughs> yeah. no no the making games should be easy not that the gameplay is easy no no <laughs> the process of making the game is easy yeah <laughs> make only make games that are like dark souls and uh, in difficulty but uh, easy to make 
No, right. Uh, yeah. Um, but also, no, that's been brilliant hearing the insight from each of you from all these different uh, perspectives and experiences uh, in the past. It's been brilliant having your, your insight on the podcast. Um, so I guess that kind of wraps it up. And if you're listening at home for the podcast and you want to jump in on a future episode, uh, just drop me a message on LinkedIn or uh, my very long email of adam.miller-betridge at evolution-nordics.com. And uh, I'll see you guys next time.